This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am PWI senior writer Al Castle, joined as always by the very well-traveled Dan Murphy. How are you, Dan? I am uh, well-traveled. I'm going to add to my business cards now. Yeah, yeah. When When is uh, Stu finally going to pay you to fly you around so oh you're not gosh. doing those crazy car trips? I talk to Matt Brock all the time about that. Matt Brock <laughs> being, you know, he, he used to go on all the trips to Japan and you know, he'd have the, the, the whole first-class trips to Tokyo. Meanwhile, I'm driving 13 hours in a car with four other people to get to Chicago. And wow. I don't know. It's a, it's a different era, I guess. This was for a Shimmer show, right? Yeah. Yeah, I went out to uh, Shimmer. Uh, it's it's normally only about a nine, nine-and-a-half-hour drive from uh, my hometown of Buffalo. I travel with some of the, the girls from Ontario. And uh, this time, though, uh, just traffic. And uh, normally Shimmer runs in kind of spring and fall. This year they did middle of the summer, and we just hit all of the traffic and every delay you can imagine. So it was uh, a bit nightmarish, but everybody made it. So it all worked out. Got there in time for the uh, opening bell. Just in time. One of the people in my car is um, was uh, Rosemary, you know, Courtney Rush from TNA. Uh, who was in the main event, challenging for the Shimmer title against Madison Eagles. So uh, normally they just run Saturday and sh- Sunday shows, and we're driving up on a Friday. Uh, but this time around, they decided to run a Friday night show. So we're getting the frantic texts, you know, can you be there? Do we have to change the main event? And we're at a you know standstill on the Ohio Turnpike, trying to figure out whether we can make it past Toledo. Uh, but it all worked out. It was wow. uh, frantic moments, but it all managed to work out. This sounds like a good time. Maybe we'll talk about it uh, a little bit more here on uh, this edition of the podcast. we got a lot to cover. Uh, later on, we're going to be talking uh, with one of the wrestlers in the WWE Cruiserweight Classic, which uh, actually begins, I think, as we're recording this. Actually, right now, right about now, they're revealing the brackets. I don't know if they have any matches uh, airing tonight on the WWE Network, but it's going to unfold over several weeks. And uh, one of the, the local guys who I'll be cheering for is fellow Long Islander Tony Nice, uh, who is also head trainer uh, here at the NYWC on Long Island, a guy I've known for a number of years, uh, who, whose biggest claim to fame may be that he gave me my first body slam. My first in, uh, I don't know, no, it wasn't my only. I think he body slammed me twice, and then he had Big O body slam me. And for what it's worth, the ones I got from Anthony were uh, a lot better than the one I got from Big O. But just a tremendous talent. Uh, really glad to see him in the, the Cruiserweight Classic. Um, if, if you don't know Tony Nese, the guy has the looks. He's got the skill. I mean, he looks like uh, Chris Masters with the, the wrestling ability of AJ Styles. Uh, wow. Uh, or something like that. Maybe <laughs> I don't want to overstate things too much, but he's just a, a terrific young talent. And it was a matter of time before WWE gave him a look, and they did as part of the the Cruiserweight Classic, and we talk a little bit about it, um, so stay tuned for that. And we'll talk about, they're going to be talking some TNA in, in a little bit, maybe for, I was going to say for all the wrong reasons, but one of my big takeaways is that this might be exactly what they want, uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about the PWI 500, and we've got some uh, 
big developments on that front. Uh, and that will be later this year, uh, the PWI 500. But we uh, just today released the cover of the October issue of PWI. Should be coming out shortly. I might have jumped the gun in uh, tweeting and Facebooking about uh, the new magazine. It may not actually be available for a day or two. By the time you're hearing this, it probably will be available. It's the October issue. I teased a few weeks ago that we scored a, a major interview for the hot seat, and there it is on the cover. Seth Rollins, one of uh, the first long-form extensive interviews, maybe the very first uh, for all I know, that he gave um, since his return. We, we talked just days after he came back at Extreme Rules, uh, a very lengthy interview where we covered a ton of topics, um, certainly his injury, coming back, returning to a very different WWE, his thoughts on that, his thoughts on Roman Reigns and that experiment, uh, thoughts on a Shield reunion. Uh, we really covered a, a lot of ground. As always, there's only so much space in the magazine, so there's actually a lot of fun topics that we talked about that didn't get into the interview. Um, we hope to be able to feature some of that audio here in the coming weeks. We even talked about uh, Ricochet versus Will Ospreay and, and what he thought of that match. So uh, a lot of fun. Uh, you could get that and the latest uh, PWI, the October issue. Uh, lots more in there. I've got uh, a fun feature, 25 WWE hits and misses, and that's 25 each. We talked about 25 uh, things that we really like about WWE and 25 things that kind of drive us nuts. And, and the staff all got together and shared their ideas. And it's a lot of fun. It's everything from... You know, how great the music is, entrance music, to how uh, painful it could be to sit through, through three hours of Raw every week and everything in between. It's very nuanced, a lot of fun. What, what did you do uh, for this issue, Dan? This issue, I had a couple neat features. Um, I, I didn't do as much as I normally do, which was kind of nice. So lazy. Um, I know, right? I slacked off on this one. <laughs> but no, I had a, a feature with uh, Jade from TNA. Uh, who, again, I got to see over Shimmer Weekend, and, and she was very excited about her first uh, real true feature in PWI. Uh, Jack Stain, the uh, NWA heavyweight champion, who's one of the most underrated guys in wrestling right now, and doing some kind of feature stories on the two of them. Um, and, and that's that's really it. I, I did a nice um, uh, a, a straight shooter column on uh, the guest that we had on here a few weeks ago, Derek Burroughs. Uh, the Olympic uh, gold medalist. She's going back for the Olympic Games, right. trying to win the gold medal a second time. Uh, so that's about it that I had. Yeah, and we got features on the uh, the Super 8 uh, tournament out of uh, the ECWA that uh, used to be and, and is for still some of the staffers, kind of a an annual reunion of the PWI staff. A lot of fun to go to that. Uh, we talk a bit about that. We've got a feature on the Young Bucks and uh, lots more, Mike Quay Count column, and a ton more. So you definitely want to go to pwi-online.com and check it out. You could just buy the one issue, or you could go ahead and subscribe. Makes a lot of sense. Big, big discount over the cover price. Subscribe. You could save more than half of uh, the cover price. Subscribe to the digital edition, uh, and you get even a, a bigger discount, and you get it quicker. Uh, you don't have to wait for it to be delivered in your mailbox. You could download it right to your laptop, mobile device, uh, what have you. Uh, do all that at pwi-online.com. Um, while you're there, you can find our uh, Twitter uh, feed and Follow us on Twitter, at OfficialPWI. Find us on Facebook. I just did something to the Facebook today that I think will make it a little bit easier to find. 
at Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I think if you search that on Facebook, and it'll pop us right up. Uh, and drop us a line, PWI Podcast at Outlook.com. And uh, please go to iTunes, find all our archives. We've been doing this now for about a year and a half. And you can um, listen back on any of those. And please uh, drop us a kind review. We'd appreciate it. All right, Dan, so much to talk about. As I said, let's start with something we don't uh, often start with, and that's TNA. We were both exchanging emails uh, today, as I imagine a lot of TNA viewers are after the final deletion. And um, there's a good chance, but maybe better than usual, that if you're listening to this, you watch this. Uh, well, let me just ask you straight up. What were your thoughts on this? <laughs> it's uh, my first thought. My initial thought was, um, and, and again, the, the background on this is I'm a 41-year-old guy. I've been watching wrestling most of my life. Um, my first gut instinct was, you know, if this is what wrestling is becoming, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I, I, just, I just don't. Like, this is not what I, I like. Yeah. Now, that being said, there were definitely some moments of comedy. There were some some good moments in there, and so cringeworthy, so bad, it's almost good. And the memes that have come out of it and the reaction online has been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and yeah, it got people talking. It got people watching TNA. Even if they were just watching TNA today for the director's cut on YouTube. Um, but here, here's my litmus test. I watched this with, uh, with my dad. And, and my dad's an older guy, and, and he does not like wrestling, but he'll give it a try every once in a while. And for me, my dad is the barometer of, okay, does this work or does this not work? With a casual viewer, a mainstream, non-wrestling fan, casual viewer. And every once in a while, I watch something with my dad and Kevin Owens. He kind of perked up with Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens was different, and he had a, a different vibe about him, and, and my dad kind of reacted to that. And, and we watch this, and he... I don't think I've ever seen such disappointment in Arthur's <laughs> eyes as he looked at me watching this. Couldn't you have become a lawyer, Dan? Oh, this is a life. All that time in college and all yeah. of the uh, things you've done, just a life misspent. But no, it was um, it was terrible, and it was meant to be terrible. It was just meant yes. to be silly. But uh, the thing is. Um, Buzzworthy is good. If it gets more eyes to the product, that's good because there's a lot of great things going on with TNA. Uh, I popped huge for the dilapidated boat line. I don't know why. Uh, also, <laughs> How about the the, uh, the xylophone. The xylophone. <laughs> oh, the xylophone was good. But here's the thing: I watched it in real time, not realizing that they were showing segments throughout the show. I just tuned in for the main event, so I saw that and I kind of got it. It wasn't until the director's cut came out today that I got to see all of the majesty of the... Uh, the yeah, that's the, how I watched it, was the uh, the whole director's cut beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. it's... Uh, well, Al, what, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's complicated, and you said it. it. It's meant to be awful, and that's what complicates the whole thing. So if, if here's this thing that is, is meant to be taken as camp, and clearly it was, I mean, before they even... Um, they aired this uh, Tuesday night. They teased it on YouTube showing reactions from other wrestlers. I don't know if you saw any of those. And they've got EC3, and they had uh, Grado and Rockstar Spud, and they just show their reactions, and they're all cracking up. Um, they're just laughing. And uh, so it's what they were going for. So if you judge it by 
how they meant it to be received, it's very successful and it's very well done. Um, but it, I, I guess the big picture, and you touched on, is is this what wrestling has become, and where do you go from here? I mean, I, you know, it, it's hard to criticize something as being a failure if it brings in more viewers, if it somehow generates more money. Um, you know, again, and and that's part of the the debate of that we had a, a week or two ago about the the Will Ospreay Ricochet match. Is this what wrestling right. has become? But you know, whatever you, you wrestling evolves. Uh, is is this part of that evolution? Um, I don't know. I mean, a, a couple of things. Uh, firstly, one thing I'll give them credit for is uh, one big problem I've had with TNA for years and years and years, if not forever, is that they there's not much unique about them. I mean, at their best, they're just WWE light, you know, and, and it's hard to pinpoint, you know, a six-sided ring, whatever, and some dopey gimmick matches, but, but what makes them truly different than WWE? And that whole deal, the final deletion, and, and now both of these, because this was the, the follow-up to, the, to that first video they did a few weeks ago, uh, that went viral. That I don't know that when they did that, they meant it to be deliberately campy, um, but it was taken that way, and, and certainly they they've uh, gone with it. Uh, but this is entirely unique, you know, for for better or for worse. I've never seen anything like that. It, I, I should say I don't know that WWE, uh, TNA would have um, tried this, experimented with it, were it not for Lucha Underground. I mean, I think Lucha Underground is more an inspiration than WWE, just in sort of breaking from the mold of res how wrestling can be presented and how it can be filmed and how it could be filmed more like a movie or, or a, a, a dramatic TV show and not necessarily just sport. Uh, but, but this is 10 steps past what Lucha Underground um, has tried. So, you know, I'll, I'll say this, and, and it's not just that it was uh, bad and deliberately bad, but camp comedy, right? That kind of thing um, in, in however it's done is difficult to do well. So it's not just a, a matter of, of going out there and doing ridiculous stuff. It, it really is an art form. I don't know if you're a, a Sharknado fan, but I've unwittingly become one because my kid likes Sharknado. And you watch those movies, as ridiculous as they are, everybody plays it 100% straight. I mean, they are swinging for the fences. They are they are trying for an Oscar. Um, you know, uh, Ian Deering is, is not hamming it up. He is, you know, whatever it is, 25, 30 years of acting experience. He's putting it all into trying to deliver this great performance in a preposterous movie, in a preposterous role. And that's where the real comedy is. And um, I give them credit for that. And in some ways, I give more credit to Jeff than Matt because Jeff is basically the straight man in, in these segments, but plays it up really well. I mean, he's really passionate and... Um, you know, some of the most the, the funniest parts of this thing are sort of the most unintended parts. I mean, j just that they bother to, in the middle of all this, have a wrestling match with wrestling moves, right? Uh, was just sort of more preposterous than anything else. Uh, so, I wanted I want to tell you that I hated it, but I didn't. I mean, I I kind of enjoyed it. You know, the the other thing that makes it hard to to judge is again. Where where do they go from here? What's what's the big plan? Part of me thinks that you know, for for better or for worse, TNA doesn't deserve the credit here, uh, or the criticism.
because, and we touched on this with the last video, this doesn't feel like a TNA idea or a TNA product. This feels like a company that has nothing to lose, needs some content, and the Hardys say, let, let's, let us do this. You know, we'll do it, we'll film it, we'll, I don't know, if, but it, it feels very Hardys, and uh, it just feels like, you know, they, they twisted D uh, Dixie's arm, let us, you know, do this. And she said, fine, it'll eat up some television time. It'll get people talking. So the, the, the criticism or the praise, I feel like, goes more to the Hardys than TNA uh, in as much as this is clearly their vision uh, for better or for worse. But I guess TNA deserves criticism or praise uh, for, for agreeing to run it on their TV show. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess it kind of stops with them. You know, I, it, it, is this a sign of a direction that TNA is going, a really radical direction? Uh, I don't know. I mean, can, can you see this becoming something positive? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he, there's a lot of things. I mean, you said, as you were speaking, I came up with 15 different things I wanted to say. And just quickly, a couple thoughts off the top of my head. But number one, I remember one time I was out with uh, Jimmy Hart and um, – we were, there was a wrestling show I was at and Lanny Poffo was on it. And Lanny Poffo was being Lanny Poffo, the, the genius, the very, you know, the, the character he's always been. And Jimmy was just saying, you know, after the show backstage, he's like, man, I love Lanny Poffo. He's so good. He's so good. And I said, well, it, Jimmy, is, is Lanny in on it? Like, it, does he realize people are laughing at him? Or like, it, is he in on the joke? And Jimmy says, I don't know and I don't care. It doesn't matter. He, he is what he is. And whatever reaction you have, he generates a reaction. And that's the thing I, I don't know about the Hardys. I don't know. I think Matt might be in on the joke. I don't know if Jeff is. I I don't know where they're coming from or what they're trying to portray. Now, maybe at the end of the day, like Jimmy Hart would say, it doesn't matter. It's good TV. It's it's interesting. It's, it's uh, something different. And maybe it is inspired somewhat by Lucha Underground and the talk about uh, New Day and the Wyatts facing off at the Wyatt compound. There, there's a lot of talk that maybe WWE's taking note yeah. and trying to do something like this. Um, whether or not that's good or bad or whether this is the revolution of wrestling, that's the thing I'm more interested about. We've talked on this show before, and it, it's been a real common discussion in wrestling over the past couple of years. Um can wrestling ever be presented as a legitimate sport again and, and try to observe kayfabe and, and, and really make it look like, hey, these are this is a legitimate combat like MMA or is that genie out of the bottle and, and that's done? And I know that there are some people, the NWA, Bruce Tharp, who we've had on the show in the past and, and a lot of the people in the traditional territories will tell you that you can really still make people believe again if you present it the right way. And other people... Uh, like the Young Bucks, like uh, TNA here and Lucha Underground, are trying to go the complete opposite direction. I think one of the things that really, really irked me with this match, and this is more of an indictment of me as a viewer and maybe being behind the times on this, was that Matt Hardy hit the twist of fate at about the three-minute mark. And, <laughs> and I noticed that. I'm like, oh, he's hitting his finish. Like, not the, the fireworks to each other's faces or the dilapidated boat or the taser and Willow coming out of the water like Jason Voorhees or any of that. It was that they were hitting the finishes too early without a setup. And I think maybe that's just because my mentality is that from a wrestling background, you have to, you know, build up to the, the, the false finishes or else nothing means anything. 
and in a match like this where there's no psychology, there's no anything, there's mysterious women showing up with a candle at the end to light dirt on fire, like none of it makes any sense, but it makes for compelling TV. So um, maybe I'm missing the point on it, but for me, it just it, it didn't work. But again, the long term is, or short term maybe, short term is it does get people talking about TNA. We we it, it, we very rarely talk about TNA on this podcast, and this is kind of our lead item this week. So it, yeah, it, and and honestly, uh, I, I could talk about this for an hour. I think there's so many different facets uh, to explore. I mean. It's a goofy thing, but uh, there are a lot of lessons to be taken from it, or at least discussions to be had about, you know, what is the bigger takeaway? What, what does this say about where wrestling uh, is going? And, and a couple things you said that I want to follow up on. You talked about um, the, the difficulty in presenting wrestling as a sport. Uh, and that's true. I mean, I think you could still do it. And, and ironically, the same time this is breaking, WWE is probably doing – uh, one of the largest efforts they have ever had, or certainly in, in years, in presenting wrestling as sport with this cruiserweight classic, where they went as far as of, as having weigh-ins. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of the the other extreme example. And they're and all day they've been teasing the release of the brackets uh, of the pairings. So you talk about you know on the same day, complete polar opposites of how to present essentially what is the same thing, pro wrestling, but. The flip side of that is, I've, as much as people have wondered how far you can take in presenting wrestling as sport, there's certainly part of me that's wondered over the years, how far can you take presenting wrestling as entertainment? And when I uh, first saw Lucha Underground, I thought it was kind of refreshing um, that they, they were able to just sort of break free of some of this. And, you know, one of the most frustrating things for me with WWE over the years has been the inconsistency um, of... The, the camera of of the fourth wall, that kind of thing, it drives me nuts that on on one hand, you've got, you know, uh, a Renee interviewing somebody in the back, very old school, the way they did it 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And then alternatively, you'll, ha you'll have uh, heels plotting some evil plan right in front of the cameras, wire cameras there. Or, um, you know, I always think of the classic thing, where the heel gets in the back of the limo and then all of a sudden we've got his point of view looking to the front and it's like the undertaker driving and it's yep. how do we see his eyes and well, and my problem with that isn't so much that they did it it's that it's inconsistent they go back and forth and right. that's what i appreciate appreciate about lucha underground that it was consistent but even there the the wrestling the matches are presented basically in the traditional way everything else isn't it's treated differently tna may have just broken another frontier and again this is maybe not the best example of it that maybe there's better ways of doing it but can you present a match like that too and and uh removing a crowd or at least having a crowd that's you know a, a bunch of plants and if you do that um you know does it let you do more things does it let you do 10 takes to make sure you executed a move just right. And I'm not saying I'm for or against it. I'm just think it's something to think about. Yeah, you're right. It, it, that is true. It, it, maybe it is the next generation. Taking a, a match out of the ring, I, I remember Terry Funk and uh, Masa Saito in maybe 89 doing a, a um, and we covered it in PWI, a, um, it was an island death match. 
where they were taken by a boat to an island and they just had a photographer taking pictures of them. And the idea was that no ring could contain them and no arena would want to pay the insurance. And they just let these guys fight an island for three hours and whatever. Um, but at least that came off like, I mean, as silly as it is, um, it came off with the idea that it's real. It's that it's, you know, this is real hatred and they just went somewhere where they didn't want anyone to interfere and they just had a referee and a photographer there to, to document it for posterity. You know, I mean, you can kind of get your head around that. These guys doing the things where, like you said, the, for example, uh, I mean, in, diagnosing it all frame by frame is, is kind of silly because the whole thing's silly. But with, you know, um, all of a sudden, as, as Matt Hardy comes around the corner after firing off the Roman candles, Jeff Hardy's on the ground. Did you ever think you'd say that sentence no. in describing a wrestling match? Right. And, and he, he's, you know, I, I have you now, you're going to be deleted, whatever his line was, it's over, whatever. But then Jeff Hardy points a, a, a Roman candle at him, Matt Hardy swears and runs off. But the camera angle changes to, like, Jeff Hardy's point of view, like, in the middle of that scene, and that's great for movies, but... You're breaking that fourth wall, like you said, and it's it's a really, you know, it, it is wrestling live performance art that you're meant to watch from the stands and see people in front of you in a ring that you can also watch on TV? Or is it a TV show, like every other TV show, like any other action show, 24 or NCIS or whatever, that has choreographed fight scenes that are edited and cut from certain ways to make you, you know, it's really the fundamental question of what wrestling is. Right. And I think that wrestling is not meant to be a TV product. It's meant to be a live experience that can be shown on television. And, yeah, you and know, getting uh, away from it is a very shaky place. Yeah, yeah. And and certainly I'm, I'm not comfortable with the whole thing. Uh, but I do try to keep an open mind. I mean, I think of whatever we'd consider wrestling today, what it should look like if... Uh, you know, you get in the proverbial time machine, you go back 30 years, 40 years, and you present that to an old-time wrestler or a fan from the time, and they'd find a million other things that just aren't wrestling to them. So there has been an evolution. Now, this is, is not a, a gradual change. This would be a gigantic leap, what, what they're... And I don't even know how serious they are. I mean, part of me wonders if we're owner, overanalyzing what is essentially a rib, um, but but again, there are, there are legitimate questions that that come out of this, um, and I'll, I'll say this much: you know, everything aside, um, all, all these issues we're bringing up that are very valid issues. If it comes down to, was I entertained or was I not entertained? Would this make me tune in next week? The answer is is an emphatic yes. I mean, I was more entertained. Um, you know, whether it's for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, but I was more entertained by the final deletion than anything I've seen in TNA for a long, long time. And if you told me that, you know, the third chapter of, of this trilogy uh, what is coming next week, I'll tune in. And and that's not something I, I go out of my way to do too much with TNA. And, and taking it a step further, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy, I mean, a feud that when we heard was happening... I think everybody kind of collectively rolled their eyes. I mean, what could you possibly do that's new between these two who, who have just feuded so many times? And they found a completely new way to tell the story. I mean, 
uh, as wacky as it is. And I da dare say this is the most I've ever been entertained watching these two uh, wrestle and feud with each other. So, you know, again, I, I think there's a ton wrong with it. Um, I question, and here's, you know, maybe the most important issue is how do you make money out of this? I mean, you can't take this on the road, you know, you can't take this, this act on the road or can you, I mean, do you set up a, a tree inside an arena and have Jeff jump off of it? I don't know. Um, uh, but it just doesn't seem something that, that you can necessarily monetize. You're, so, you're right. And, and, and for me, I know we've talked about this for a long time on this, but, but yeah, I, I get that your, your first instinct was that you were entertained by it. My, if I were to come up with one word to explain how I felt watching it was literally embarrassed. Like, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. But the other thing is about monetizing it today, you know, I get the email from, um, uh, what is it? The, uh, uh, the t-shirt shop, I forget their Pro name. Pro Wrestling Tees. Pro Wrestling Tees. Yeah. With all of a sudden the, the new, brand new six Matt Hardy t-shirts that all yeah. came out today or we're all advertised today. So monetizing it, they're thinking of T-shirts, which is great for Matt Hardy, good for him. Right, he's, right. he's making money with this character, but it does nothing for the company. And right, right, yeah. It, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the the one of the young bucks, I think it was Nick, uh, tweeted and they, whatever something about um, whenever an old timer gets on us about what we do in the ring, I like to show us our uh, show them our uh, T-shirt sales. And, and, and I might have even mentioned this on the show here on the podcast, but for me, that's a matter of like, well, then great, sell T-shirts, go to Hot Topic and mm -hmm. sell T-shirts. That's not your job as a wrestler. Your job as a wrestler is to sell your match and get your match over, get your opponent over, get the promotion over. Selling T-shirts is great. That's ancillary, but you're doing it backwards. And if you're doing these crazy matches and gimmicks and things like this to sell T-shirts to look, hey, ain't I cool? you're killing the, the the business i mean that's not too much like jim Cornette, but it's it's you, you've got the 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 cart in front of the horse and and your your priorities are all wrong and unfortunately i think that's where the business is kind of migrated to now where people are more concerned about hey i'm over that's all that matters doesn't matter if the company may not be able to make payroll in two weeks uh, or if the next tapings are to be canceled because we can't do it but hey i'm over i'm going to sell more t-shirts so it's a su uh, success well, I'll say this. I think uh, a wrestler's responsibility is different than a promoter's responsibility. And a wrestler, uh, wrestler's responsibility is to make money for himself, and T-shirts is a part of that. I, I think sometimes the opposite, that wrestlers aren't smart enough about that, and, and they're willing to, to work for nothing or, or really undervalue themselves because they look at wrestler, wrestling as this religion or this cause. So... Um, to some extent, I say good on the Young Bucks, good on, on Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy for for uh, looking out for themselves and making um, their money. That said, bigger picture, your your employer's uh, uh, success is your success. So you can't be uh, too kind of self-preservationist at the expense of, of the bigger picture. Uh, so, again, I mean, this yeah, this, this absolutely felt self-indulgent the hardys going out there and just using this to show off their creativity their wacky vision um and that's where again i don't know that it, if if you like this 
and and you enjoyed it, I feel like the the praise belongs to the Hardys. If you've got a problem with it, I feel like the criticism belongs to Dixie Carter and TNA, because at the end of the day, the, TNA almost feels like they have a passive role in this, you know, um, because the rest of the show looked like TNA. It's matches, it's feuds that are progressing things, and in the middle of that, um, dispersed throughout the show, is uh, this this skit, this vision that is completely different than anything that they're uh, presenting. And it just feels like kind of a runaway train, and they're and they're not they're not in control of their own product. Right. It should be mentioned though that the rest of the show did have a great Ultimate X match, new X Division champion with Eddie Edwards. But it was TNA. I mean, not right. good nor bad. It was TNA. But you know, and Jade having a street fight against Marty Bell, and and then building up to the Bobby Lashley Eddie Edwards match. Like there was a lot of good stuff happening. But yeah, you're right. It was typical kind of TNA, and this was something completely different. But, you know, is is that the worst thing? Is, is that the bigger picture? And, and you touched on it. Do you use the wackiness of the Hardys to attract fans and then capture them with something else? I mean, it almost reminds me of uh, The Simpsons uh, in in the Tracy Ullman show where, where they first launched, where <laughs> the, the Simpsons got so over that people were watching Tracy Ullman just for the little breaks before they'd go to commercial to check out The Simpsons. And before you know it, you're watching the Tracy Ullman show. Um, you know, does it become that? Does it become a weekend update on Saturday Night Live where people tune in just for that and end up, you know, staying for the musical guest? Um, you know, could could the Hardys just have this kind of crazy, wacky, completely otherworldly part of TNA's product and it becomes a recurring thing? I mean, when we talked about this a few weeks ago, I remember one of the big takeaways was, that was fun, but, you know, what do you do next? How, do they just end up, uh, does it become kind of a parody itself and something that they meant as straight the first time, got over as camp, so they kind of go overboard with the camp? And they did, but it might have worked. You know, that's that's the weird part. Yeah, well, we'll find out if uh, Broken Matt and Brother Nero are still <laughs> doing their shtick 30 years from now, like The Simpsons, you yeah. know? Yeah, I can tell you, I mean, one, one last bit of this, I was talking to my kid, my seven-year-old, and, and uh, we watch wrestling together, but not that much TNA, and he's always intrigued by crazy matches, you know, a seven-year-old kid loves wacky stipulation matches, we went to Extreme Rules, and he got a kick out of the the potted plant, and the mop, and all that stuff, in, in the Jericho-Ambrose uh, match, and I told him, AJ, there's a match where a guy jumps off a tree, and they shoot fireworks at each other, and they end up in a lake, and he hides under a boat, and then, you know, the, there's a fire, and and you should see his eyes light up. I mean, he so wants to see this match. So, you know, there's an audience out there, I guess. Again, I mean, more people are talking about TNA and are watching a TNA product uh, in this match than probably anything in a long time. It just depends if the viral hits will lead to eyeballs next week. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Like, yeah. if they see a rating spike, any kind of spike on their TV show, good. It works. If not, it was self-indulgent crap. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping uh, completely in, in the opposite direction, something yeah. I, I didn't plan to talk about, but but because I mentioned it, and because uh, I do think it kind of officially or unofficially starts today, the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, just general, get your thoughts on it. Is this something that you're excited about? Do you think it is 
Uh, it, it's it's a novel approach by WWE to present something like this, uh, a little bit off the beaten path. Uh, do you think it's a little bit sort of pandering to a certain kind of fan in presenting this sort of thing? And maybe there's some pandering, but I, I think that WWE has been so um, uh, anti-pandering in the past that it almost feels good. WWE for the longest time is, this is our vision and this is what we're going with and it doesn't matter what you like, this is what we're doing. Um, until they eventually co-opt it when the movement becomes too strong and then WWE will, will serve you what you want but on their terms. Um, this is one of those uh, instances where they realize that the talent's out there. And, and the thing that's really interesting, and, and we mentioned the PWI 500 earlier, uh, we're working on that now and putting the list together. Of the 32 people in the tournament, I would say that maybe maybe 20 are, are people are who are typically in the uh, PWI 500. But there's maybe 12 who came from way off the beaten path. And now some of that is because they're international and, and have a lot of promise and, and, and signed with WWE, but they're not necessarily getting the big push in their company right now. Others is because they kind of know the right people and, and have some contacts. But it, it's really interesting because WWE has, has done a, a great job of getting some of the cream of the crop uh, indie guys for this tournament and some real unknown commodities that could really be the kind of people that they like to kind of get behind. Um, for example, you know, it's an old example, but uh, The Rock, you know, Rocky Maivia, he wasn't a guy who was burning up the indies before he was signed to WWE. He was somebody who had the family contacts, they knew him, he was on the radar, they had him in their developmental and brought him up and, and he became the biggest star you know, one of the biggest stars of all time. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen with the Cruiserweight tournament, but there's a really diverse mixture of talent in this tournament, and it can go a lot of different ways. Um, somebody like you mentioned, um, the person you're going to have on uh, your interview with Tony Nice. Uh, I've known um, Tyson Dukes from Toronto right. uh, for about that long. And he's another guy who's, man, you said that, uh, Tony Nice was was uh, Chris Masters meets uh, who did you say? AJ Chris Styles. Masters. I may regret saying that one. <laughs> Tyson Dukes is kind of he's he's almost like uh, Ric Flair meets Shawn Michaels. Wow. Brock Lesnar. So I gotta see this guy. That's, yeah, he's good. He's good. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but the, but the point is, there's a lot of opportunities for guys who are, can can really step up and shine or WWE can kind of bring in somebody who we haven't seen before who can step through. So it's really exciting to see what they do as long as they don't just do it where, hey, somebody won the Cruiserweight tournament and now we bring him up to the main roster and, hey, you're now teaming with Tyler Breeze and getting squashed in opening matches. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm it, just hoping that that doesn't happen. It, it really is all about the talent they picked. Um, and... These guys are all world class, and if this didn't lead to a, a dozen or several dozen uh, really entertaining, um, exciting athletic matches, I mean, I'd, I'd be shocked. So it, it's almost ends with who you pick, and uh, they picked a really interesting, diverse uh, bunch. I mean, you talk about Tyson Ducks from Canada. Uh, Tony Nese here in New York. They've got veterans like Tajiri and uh, Brian Kendrick. They've got Kota Bushi. They've got Zack Sabre Jr. So uh, it, it's, um, I think they hit a home run in who they picked for this thing. And and I, I say that, that that's really what it's all about because 
you know, you talk about pandering. It, it, it would have felt like pandering if they got that wrong. And I don't know if you remember the um, when when WCW uh, their cruiserweight division was really on fire twenty years ago or so, and WWE started the light heavyweight division, and they built it around guys like Scott Putzky and uh, Brian Lawler and Lawler. I think Scott Taylor. Uh, and and that was the worst uh, of of this kind of thing. I mean, just really not getting it at all. And um, there's no sense that that's what's happening here. No, they've got the real deal here. And uh, there's still more. That's a great thing. Working on the PWI 500 now is there's still so many other people who are out there. Um, you know, the list isn't complete yet. We're still working on it and, and putting it all together. But man, this year it's by far the hardest to make the 500 than it's ever been um, because with the rise of cruiserweights and, and kind of main indies, like say you're outside of ring of honor, you got your PWG, your smash in Toronto evolve uh, plus people who are on TV with ROH and Lucha underground and TNA and WWE and NXT plus new Japan and you know, all the other international talents and the big rise of uh, Britain over the past year yeah. and, and how big some of the wrestlers from England have gotten. Um, it's really hard for your typical kind of weekend warrior who might, you know, get into the 500. Uh, a lot of those guys aren't going to make the cut this year. And it's just a real testament to uh, kind of the overall health of wrestling in general right now, which is a yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, the flip side of that, you know, the, the weekend warrior maybe doesn't make it, but uh the the seasoned indie wrestler may find himself higher than he ever thought he would have. I mean, um, we were uh, doing some kind of uh, proofreading, setting a, a draft of the list that we, we have now that is not finished and we're still kind of polishing. Uh, but just scanning the first 20, 25 names, uh, what a fun mix. I mean, I, I just looked at it and it just put a smile on my face seeing the kind of names that we have there and feeling good about um, featuring some guys as high as we are. I mean, it, it does kind of paint a picture of a really fun time to be watching wrestling. Agreed, yes. Yeah, final deletion aside. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, that'll do it for now. Um, l let's uh, hear from Anthony Nice. Uh, thanks so much, Dan. Uh, we'll be back uh, soon, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Congratulations. Um, you know, I think last time I spoke to you for, for PWI last year, we were talking about NXT and how um, this new relationship between WWE and kind of embracing the indie scene and the international scene could be beneficial from somebody like you. And now all these months later, um, here you are taking part in a very high profile um, a tournament. Can you tell me about, you know, getting that call and how exciting it was for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, it was, it's, you know, like, like I said uh, to you about a year ago, exactly, like, you know, I knew something big was, was going down, and I knew that if there was ever any other, you know, any big opportunity, it's probably the biggest opportunity I was going to get to finally be able to, you know, be seen and everything. I've always, you know, been confident in my work, um, and now since they were embracing the independent scene, I knew I just had to just get out there, get my, uh, you know, get my name out there as much as possible, get in front of as many people as possible. And, it, you know, it worked to my benefit. I, uh, um, I was able to um, run into Mr. Regal uh, a number of times. And, you know, he took a liking to my work. And, you know, he, he mentioned to me that they were working on some, some project. 
Am I right that you weren't originally part of the um, the the tournament, but somebody dropped out, and then they had kind of like a a match for a replacement? Um, not not exactly. Like, I mean, if if that's the case, then I I don't really know that so much myself. Um, I know that there were guys already being notified that they were in this, and uh, you know, I, I never heard anything. And you know, uh, so like my my invitation was a little bit later than others. Um, but in regards to how that invitation came, you know, what happened, I don't know exactly the story. I was just happy to get the call and, you know, make the most of the opportunity. There, there was a qualification match, right, at, at a, uh, an Evolve show that you won? Yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, that was, um, which was, that was something that Evolve worked together with, uh, with WWE to have me in. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was, that was just an angle that we worked in Evolve. Yeah. You know, because of because everyone else was already kind of announced. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm remembering. Um, so, you know, what do you hope comes of this? I mean, I, I know a, a lot of young independent performers are, are hoping that this is a, a kind of a, a launching off a platform. Um, you know, you're going to be on the WWE Network, viewed by WWE fans. Certainly, WWE decision makers are going to be taking notice. It is the hope that this, uh, again, sort of propels you to something else? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the ultimate goal for anybody, you know, for anyone in, in um, sports entertainment, their ultimate goal is to just, you know, make it to the big leagues, make it to the big time, you know, eventually be in WrestleMania one day. And uh, so getting this opportunity, that that's, uh, you know, every single one of us, I mean, I'm sure everybody felt differently or whatever. Um, I know what I felt was that, wow, this is, you know, this is something big. This is finally a way to get in front of... Uh, you know, to in front of anyone and everyone that you could possibly get in front of in WWE, um, and when uh, which was, and when we were down there, when we uh, finally got to kind of see this whole thing unfold, that you started to feel the vibe that everyone knew. Wow, this is this is much bigger than a tournament. This is going to be like game changing in the WWE, and uh, it's going to definitely change a number of lives. I think. Do Do you um, appreciate the return of, if only the, the term, if not the style, cruiserweight wrestling? I mean, certainly 20 years ago in, in the peak of, of WCW and the Monday Night Wars, um, the cruiserweight wrestling and the cruiserweight title was one of the most exciting things in all of the sport. Kind of fell by the wayside um, for a number of years and now back as part of this cruiserweight tournament. Um, is, is that cool for cruiserweight wrestling to be uh, back on the landscape? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've always considered myself a cruiserweight, you know, wrestler. Um, whether or not it was being recognized by the WWE or not, um, it's you know, it was something that it's it's what I grew up. It's what made me really fall in love with wrestling um, because that's what I pictured myself as. You know, it's being you know five eight. You're not necessarily looking at someone like The Rock saying, "Oh, you know, I have to be exactly like that." But then when you look at all the cruiserweights, you're like, "Wow." That's something I can do. I definitely have the abilities for that, and, and you really appreciate their work. And so, having it come back, I think it's I think it's amazing because now finally, I mean, there's a whole other generation of uh, of viewers now. So they're gonna they're gonna see this, and they're gonna it's it's gonna inspire all that whole new generation, just like it did for me. Yeah.
Yeah. And the names that are in the tournament, it, you know, it, it's a super impressive who's who of uh, a new, young, independent talent. You got some, some legends um, who have been around WWE um, years ago coming back for the tournament. Um, can you talk about some of the people you're hoping to meet uh, uh, in the tournament, some names you hope to clash with uh, down the line? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the first name, probably an answer you'll get from anyone, is Kota Ibushi. Um, I mean, he's been, he's definitely been one of the top guys going on in, in, in Japan, and uh, his name has been, you know, all over the world with, with how great his work is. Um, he's definitely a guy that I would watch, as, as you know, watching, I'm sure you're familiar with matches with him and, like, Finn Balor back in Japan. Uh, I mean, it's, that's, that's stuff that I would, still watch to this day as a huge fan um so to be able to kind of get in front of him and maybe prove to myself that i you know i'm i'm in the same level as someone like Kota Ibushi, that's definitely something i'd look forward to another one would be zach saber jr mm-hmm. um you know those those two names are probably the two most credible names in the tournament um you know and then on top of that you got brian kendrick you got um you know tajiri these are all guys that you, you always wish to get in the ring with one day, and, and now this is your this is the opportunity to get in there with them, to be put in the same category as them, and to just you know prove that you know you're just at that level. Yeah, yeah. I know um, you know your 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 home uh, base, your home team, so to speak, is is uh, NYWC here on Long Island, where you've worked against. Um, the, you worked as the head trainer. Uh, a little bit of trivia. You gave me my first body slam a few years ago. <laughs> I appreciated that. And I think my second. Um, so uh, is there a part of you that does feel like you've got to represent? I mean, um, I'm, I'm sure your students and your, your colleagues there at NYWC are going to be watching, rooting on for you. Um, do, do you feel that on your shoulders? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I know... I know already that everyone there is like you know super proud and super excited to see everything um but yeah no it's, it's definitely a plus to to be able to represent your school and to uh, bring you know more notice because people are going to check out where this guy come from um so it's definitely uh, exciting and i've always been super proud of saying that i'm a student of nywc and i'm a student of mikey Whipwreck. um and and also to, to you know make him proud of you know, another one of his students kind of making it to the big time, uh, so to speak. Um, you know, that's definitely, that, that's actually kind of one of the bigger things that goes, goes through my mind when I'm there, you know, performing and everything. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if, if Wikipedia is right, you're, you're 30 years old now. You've been kind of grinding it out in the indies for more than 10 years now, right? Um, so what, what does a 30-year-old a uh, Anthony Nice have to offer WWE that is different than a, a 19 or 20 year old when, when you started off I'm sure you had the same goals of someday getting to WWE um, do you feel that this Anthony Nice is more equipped to, uh, for that task than you were 10 uh, years ago yeah absolutely I mean um, not to say that the 19 year old and you know Tony Nice wasn't hungry but especially now I'm definitely uh, you know as hungry as I'll ever be, um, you know, because I, I, you know, I'm a lot older now. I'm, I, you know, the writing is on the wall eventually in maybe 10 years or so. But for the time being, it, it's, you know, I, I definitely want to make, you know, all these, these 10 plus years of hard work worth something. 
um, on top of that, my experience is definitely, you know, way better. I mean, if, it's funny because, like, at 19, 20, you're like, I'm ready, this is it, I, I have to be there. And then you look back and you're like, man, I was not ready, <laughs> you know, but, that, but now I'm definitely ready. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you hit 30, you've been at it for, you know, 11 years or so in the Indies. Um, is there any part of you that, that starts to, to kind of lose hope? Is this ever going to happen for me? Um, you know, I mean, there were plenty of moments where things went up, things went down. Um, and you start to think, okay, like, um, you know, what, what should I do here? Should I, you know, I mean, I'm, Again, at, at 20 years old, I also had nothing to lose. I was just a young kid ready to do whatever it takes. Uh, I get older now. Now I have a family. You know, I have a full-time uh, job during the week that provides for my family. You start to think now, you know, is this selfish that I'm just kind of doing this? Or am I, you know, is this the right thing? Whatever it is. Um, the great thing is I've always had a supportive wife, a supportive family. So, you know, they've always reassured me, no, don't worry, just do this until you can't do this no more. Just keep grinding it, but then, you know, it's definitely going to come for you. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of, you know, the state I'm at now, you know, being 30 and everything, just, uh, just got to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You know, this is clearly going to be your your biggest break, but you've had some other breaks in, in the last a couple of years, and and clearly um, your profile has increased in the last year or two in between working um, with Evolve and and just kind of some more high profile gigs. Um, was there a a uh, a turning point there for you? I mean, is there a moment that you can pinpoint where you feel like you you reached the next level that got you ready for this moment? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Uh Getting my uh, first tour in Japan is uh, was definitely a turning point for me. I mean, um, I uh, which I, I you know I would just kind of do some local indies and stuff like that, and, and you know try to get around as much as possible. But uh, you know, one of my main goals in my career was always to um, to be able to travel the world. You know, have a company fly you across the entire world. And uh, I think when I when I finally got that opportunity. Um, you know, it definitely changed, you know, my perspective and I think everyone else's perspective of me, you know, when it came to, uh, sports entertainment. So it's just, um, I, I, you know, I definitely would say that's my turning point. When I came back, it was definitely, you know, people, it's funny, like people start to look at you different because you're no longer just a, you know, independent, local independent wrestler. You're now an international wrestler. Yeah. So your name, your, your value already just jumps up so much. Yeah, yeah. Did did um, the cup of coffee you had in TNA where you got some TV exposure, did you feel that helped much? Um, I wouldn't say it helped in any way of exposure, honestly, because I didn't really get much exposure. Um, but I think it definitely, I would say I got more exposure afterwards. I mean, the fact that I was able to just walk away from what would be many people's dreams, um, because I, you know, I knew that I was better, and I knew that I should be used, utilized, you know, more efficiently. So I walked away, and I think that kind of got me a little bit of notice, a little bit of okay, this guy, you know, got something maybe going on here. Who knows? Um, but it still didn't really do too much. Um, it definitely gave me more experience for, you know, on the business end. Mm-hmm. Of, of of what I should be expecting from it, you know, but what I what, how I should value myself rather than just kind of 
you know, be a yes man or just do whatever. Like I, I learned how to value myself, my time and my, and my uh, abilities. Um, so that definitely was a turning point for that. But when it came to my career, I would still say that the Japanese thing was way bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so if, if all works out well and, you know, you are able to parlay this into uh, a job with WWE, um, are, you, are you ready for that and everything that comes with that? I mean, you, you talked about having a wife. I know you're, you know, relatively newly married, maybe starting a new family, that kind of thing. All the commitments that come with a life um, with WWE, um, do you have the stomach for that? Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say I definitely do. Um, I mean, it's, it's, well, I've been, I mean, I've mentally been preparing myself for this again since I was 20 years old. You know, it's, so it's not like, uh, you know, I, I would just be kind of lallygagging and all of a sudden my whole life will turn around and I, I don't expect it. Like, you know, I've actually been, you know, waiting for this. And, and so, so is my, you know, my wife. She's been, you know, we, we, you know, the best thing you can do is sit down and always kind of dream big together. And we would always talk about these types of dreams and, and you know, you know, what's going to happen, you know, maybe we'll move to Florida and then live there or whatever it is, but uh, it's definitely something that we've always been mentally preparing ourselves for and excited if it does happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, best of luck to you. Um, I, I am with many other fans and really looking forward to the tournament. I mean, I know for a lot of fans it's uh, it's kind of a dream scenario that people didn't expect uh, for WWE of all places to be presenting. Um, so it's really cool that they're doing it and really, really cool that, that a fellow Long Islander is, uh, is part of it. So fantastic. Good work. Uh, thank you, man. Uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, exciting. I mean, the uh, most exciting thing is, you know, you know about all like the internet pay-per-views and everything and being able to be seen kind of around the world. But I mean, to be on like a platform that's in front of, you know, what is it, over 180 countries, um, it's you know, on the WWE Network, which is, you know, the biggest thing you could possibly be on. It's, it's going to be so exciting. Yeah, absolutely, for, for you and I both. Uh, all right, Tony, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, thank you. Okay, take care.